0: I'm going to finish off a series that I've been uh, preaching um, the past month uh, with part five today. If you want to stand with me all over the room, we're going to read two verses of scripture—the same two verses we've been reading uh, for the past uh, five weeks now—and uh, we're just going to ask the Lord to speak to us from His Word today. First Chronicles, chapter one, or sorry, chapter four, verses nine and ten. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And my favorite line in this entire passage of Scripture said this, And God granted his request. How many knows today that we serve a prayer answering God? Amen. If you will, pray with me and for me. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you today for your presence that we feel in your house. Father, we've been so blessed to worship with this anointed team of singers and musicians that have just led us into your presence. And so, God, today I pray that the atmosphere has been prepared and our hearts have been prepared and our minds have been prepared to hear the word of the Lord. I ask that you would move me out of the way. Lord, decrease me that your spirit would be increased within me. Anoint these lips to preach your word, not with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but as Paul said, in the demonstration of your spirit and with your power. And God, today I pray you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive your word. Let us leave differently than we came, because we've been in your presence and changed by the word of God. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. You may be seated. My, what a wonderful 11 o'clock crowd. If you can't stick around for the Chili Cook-Off afterward, um, there will be somebody in the foyer you can donate to the young people. All of the proceeds that they make from the Chili Cook-Off today, it's donation only. Uh, We'll go to help them with their upcoming uh, youth conference trip. They have somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 Going, so uh, anything you could do to help will be appreciated. If you want to stay and enjoy some chili back there and make some donations for it, you'll enjoy it. A lot of good cooks uh, around here. You just look around at some of the people that call this church home and you can tell we don't go hungry. Somebody say amen. A lot of good cooks around here. So today I'm going to wrap up this series that I've been preaching for the last five weeks on the prayer of Jabez. We have spent these last several weeks looking first at the person of Jabez. If you did not get to be here when we began this series, we learned that how he had to rise above his circumstances to become a man of honorable and noble character. He had to rise above the name that his mother had given him. The name Jabez is simply the Hebrew word for pain. It means that his mother named him pain to constantly be reminded of the pain and the grief that he caused her uh, as he was born. He had to rise above that circumstance and rise above that name. Many times in this life, if you're going to do anything for the Lord, you're going to have to rise above the label that somebody else has placed upon you. Can I hear an amen? And so we find that Jabez did that. He rose above his circumstances and he became an honorable and noble man. So noble, in fact, that the Bible teaches us that he captured the very ear of God in praying this bold prayer that we've been studying. This prayer asks for God's blessing. How many knows we need God's blessing? This prayer asks for God's provision. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. As Derek testified this morning, he, uh, this prayer asks for God's presence. If there's ever a time that we need more than just the ritual of going to church, it's the day and the hour that we live in. I'm sorry, you might want to just waste your time going to another service that's been programmed out and orchestrated by man, but not me. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be where His Spirit is falling. And I want to tell you this last Wednesday night, if you're missing out on family night, you and your whole family are missing it. This last Wednesday night, we had an awesome time in this sanctuary class, but man, it just... just, Just filled my heart when I got out of this service and heard about what took place in the two pods upstairs next door in the middle school and the high school ministry. Actually, I think it took place in one because they worshiped together and they never got away from the worship. There were kids on their faces in the floor crying out to God and praying. And the spirit of the Lord, I heard, was so tangible you could almost cut it with a knife. That's what we need in our lives. Somebody say amen. That's what we need in the church. So this prayer asked for God's blessing, his provision, his his presence, but it also asked for his protection. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we looked at how rather than this being a selfish prayer, it was simply a crying out to God for him to move in Jabez's life and in his influence. That he had for the Lord, and so today we're going to focus on the last part of that prayer. And as we've done over the last several weeks, you don't have to stand, but I do want you to read this passage of Scripture together with me. It's going to be on the screen, but I also gave everybody when we started the series for the first few weeks. I gave everybody a card that has this prayer on it. If you are not here, those cards are located on the one of those two tables in the foyer. When you leave service today, take as many as you like because I want you praying this prayer over your family, over your children, and over this church. But if you will begin reading with me out loud verse 10. Here we go. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. You see this part of that prayer is a direct plea for God to intervene in his personal life. Has anybody ever needed the Lord to just intervene in your personal life? He wasn't afraid to ask God to move and neither should we be afraid to ask God to move. I want us to take a look at this plea and how we can ask God to act but also we can expect him to do it. I want to lay a little bit. of a foundation about that because the Bible promises us that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we can have the petitions that we desired from him. Somebody say amen. Another place in scripture says, with man, this seems impossible. But with God all things are possible. I know there have been many times that I've seen the report of man come down the pike and say this doesn't look good this is impossible but I've also seen praying believing people hit their knees in a prayer closet only for something miraculous to happen and the doctors look at you and say we're not really sure what took place but there's nothing there anymore with man this seems impossible but with the God that I serve all things are are possible, say amen somebody, now you'll learn around here I need you to help me preach, if you help me preach we go a lot quicker if you don't help me preach we might be here a while, amen all things are possible, another place in scripture tells us this I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength we can ask of God but we can also Expect that God will do what he says he's going to do. And I want you to leave here today realizing that being confident that God is ready, willing, and able to protect you and your family. How many believes that? God's ready, willing, and able to protect his church. How many believes that? I want to share this with you very briefly because it's a testimony to the power of prayer. A few weeks ago, I was uh, in the locker room at the gym, a couple weeks ago actually, and uh, I was turned around in my locker realizing that that Abby was uh, heading to school and she commutes to Cumberland and uh, drives there four days a week and, and uh, that's no big deal. I normally think about Her And I think I'll give her time to get on the interstate and I'll call her and tell her to have a good day and all that good stuff. And I turned around in my locker and I felt something just wash over me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And I began to pray right there for her protection. And the last thing I said was I said, oh God, please don't let her have a wreck on the interstate. And I was giving her time because I had had the notification on my phone that she had left the house. I was giving her time to get to the interstate so about seven or eight minutes later I'm on my way home and my phone rings and I find out she has been involved in an accident the first one she's ever had after driving over two years. It wasn't her fault it was a little fender bender, a little older lady pulled out into the merging lane at Hunter Hills Elementary School after dropping her grandchildren off for school and merged right into Abby's side. Did a little bit of damage to her car, but didn't hurt Abby, didn't hurt the older lady. And as soon as I got there, you know what I was saying? I was saying, thank you, Jesus. Why was you saying that? Because now she's got a car that needs to be fixed, and she had a wreck, and she missed class that day. I'll tell you why I was saying that. I knew in that instant, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that when I felt what I felt, and I began to pray, that God put a block in her path that stopped her from making it to the interstate, because the hand, God's hand of protection, was upon her. So, why is this type of prayer important? Well, to be really honest with you and to be really very, very simple, here's why it's important. We need it. We need God's hand of protection on our lives. You need God's hand of protection on your children. We need God's hand of protection on our homes. And we need to pray this type of prayer because if we don't, we run the risk of encountering situations where we'll be without the spiritual resources that are necessary to win the battle. Is there anybody else in the house this morning that'll just be transparent and honest and say, Pastor, I'm in a battle. Can I see your hands? Now look around the room. There's hands going up all around the room. Let's try it again because now some of you are encouraged that lied the first time. How many will say, I'm in a battle. Let me see your hands. That's what I thought. Yeah, see what I'm talking about? We're all in a battle. We need to realize that we are waging war. This Bible teaches you that the enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We need to realize that the Bible says that that he is out to get you. He wants your soul. He wants you to lose your salvation. He wants your health. He wants your marriage. He wants your children. But we also need to realize we're living way beneath our privilege because we can get in our prayer closet and we can wage war on the enemy and when you're praying and crying out to God God is fighting the battle that you're not strong enough to fight yourself we need it we need the hand of God and this is one of the uh, simple but yet profound spiritual truths is that we need it I want you to consider these two phrases keep me from harm and keep me from evil Now, I'm not presenting this to you because I want anybody to argue with me this morning. But in the NIV version and in the New American Standard version, and what's printed on those little cards I gave you and what was on the screen, it says, keep me from harm. But in the King James Version and in the New King James Version, it says, keep me from evil. So I don't want to argue and debate with you about which one is more appropriate because I think we can learn something by looking at both of them. Can I hear an amen? Keep me from harm and keep me from evil. So the first one, keep me from harm, is obviously a prayer for protection. And who hasn't in their lives done that at least once, if not more than once, if not many, many times? We're all used to praying for God to keep us safe, to keep our children safe, and that's okay. In fact, God answers that kind of prayer, just like I testified to you, and He provides protection for His people. And there is precedence from Scripture that I want to look at two examples of God's protection. First of all, consider Job. Everybody knows the story of Job. And this is an example of God's long-term protection. In Job chapter 1 verses 9 and 10, you need to understand that the setting here at this time of scripture is that God was bragging on Job and how righteous that he was before the Lord. But then Satan offers this rebuttal found here in this passage where he says verse 9, Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. You see, God had been providing long-term protection for Job and his family. And down through the years... Uh, I've had many people, and particularly ministers, that have prayed over and prayed for me and my family along the same lines, and they were asking God to put a hedge of protection around us. As a matter of fact, the senior pastor that I grew up in the Lord under, I grew up... uh, under really under another pastor, but where I really grew up in the Lord under was Pastor Carvey Feltz. And he used to pray, many times I heard him say, God put a hedge of protection. How many have heard that before? Put a hedge of protection around your people. And man, I latched on to that phrase and I, I make that a frequent part of my prayers on a daily basis for my family and for this church and also for your families that are a part of this church. And you ought to be asking God to put a hedge of protection around you and your loved ones. Uh, The next example I want to look at this morning is an instance of God bringing miraculous protection for the Apostle Peter. Now I'm not going to stay long here because we're also going to talk about this a little bit next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to preach a tag team message. Somebody said, oh boy, you're going old school now. We're going to preach a tag team message. We're going to talk about six times prayer made the difference. And we're going to have six uh, staff members that are going to share with you for six minutes each. Yeah. They're going to practice all week long, trust me to get it all in in six minutes and tell you about six times that prayer made the difference. And then we're going to get in this altar and we're going to ask God to make the difference. Amen? But one of those things we're going to talk about next week is found in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, and it has to do with Peter. This is Peter's, actually the subtitle in my Bible said, Peter's miraculous escape from prison. Here we go. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Uh, he, when he saw this, that this met with the approval of the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also, so everybody knows what was coming. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, Peter, handing him, Peter, over to the to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover, and ultimately it was his goal to put him to death. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. Watch this. But the church earnestly prayed to God for him. Did you catch that? But the church earnestly prayed to God for him. Now watch this. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, the night before. Somebody say he's an on-time God. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, and he woke him up quick. Get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that the angel what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision or having a dream. And they passed the first and the second guards, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. And it opened for them all. All by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly, like that, the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen to him. Now God doesn't always promise to do that for everybody in every circumstance. But it sure is good to know that we serve a God that's able to do it should he choose to. I said you may think you've got people that are in prison. I've got some in my family that are imprisoned. They're wearing chains." Chains around their wrists. Chains shackles around their feet. They're bound and they need somebody. There's a devil sitting on the right side of them and a devil sitting on the left side of them standing guard over them and watching them. But I don't have to do anything in myself. Did you catch this? I don't have to do anything physically myself to fight the battle. But oh, when I get in a closet of prayer and when the church begins to earnestly pray, God can send an angel that will cause the chains. To fall off of their feet, the shackles to fall off of them and set them free. That's what prayer can do. Whoo, I'm feeling better than you're shouting. Hallelujah. Second thing, keep me from evil. This is a prayer for relief from temptation. Here's what the verse says in the New King James Version it says, Keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. I really like that. Keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Well, when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, in one part of that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, He said this, Matthew 6 and 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And it echoes the prayer of Jabez when Jesus tells us, prayer of Jabez was Old Testament, when Jesus tells us in the New Testament to ask God to not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, you've been helping me pretty good, but when I asked this question, I fully expected to get quiet. Are you tempted by sin? Well, we all know Maggie is. Hallelujah. Maggie, you, I didn't do that. You did. Are you tempted by sin? Yeah. You know what I have to say about that, though? You're honest. Yes, you're honest. But I also say good. Good? Pastor? Good to be tempted? I'm not necessarily saying that temptation is good, but I want you to listen to me this morning. I've told you about the book that Dr. Bruce Wilkinson wrote on the prayer of Jabez. And in that book, he relates an episode that will shed some light on what I'm saying here. Here's what he says. His quote. I'll never forget overhearing a conversation in seminary between a fellow student and my mentor, Professor Howard Hendricks. The student was excited to tell Dr. Hendricks how well his life was going. When I first came here, he said, I was so tempted and tested, I could barely keep my head above water. But now, praise God, my life at seminary has smoothed out and I'm not being tempted hardly at all. But Dr. Hendricks looked deeply alarmed. Not the reaction the student was expecting. And he says, that's about the worst thing I could have heard. That shows me That you're no longer in the battle. And Satan isn't worried about you anymore. Now listen. I'm not suggesting that we should go out and invite temptation. But if you're not experiencing it like you used to. Then I would ask God if I were you to show you where you have allowed complacency to slip in. Ask God where you have allowed complacency to slip in. Because I want to tell you something. If you're doing what you should be doing for the Lord, Satan is not going to leave you alone. Did you hear your pastor this morning? If you're doing everything you should be doing for the the Lord, he's not going to say, well, there goes uh, Sister Maggie. She's doing good. I'm not going to bother her today. No, he's going to say, there goes Sister Maggie. She's going to minister to one of those kids' parents over in the daycare again and invite them to church. I might should try to slip her up today and see what I can cause her to do. If you're doing what you should be doing for the Lord, he's going to be on your tracks and at your heels all the time. That's why the Bible said, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation and know that the trying of your faith will work patience. We have a responsibility. And when we do what God's called us to do, the enemy will test you. You ever had this? I love what Sister Sue Woodruff calls it. You ever had the spirit of slap? Even your pastors had the spirit of slap. If you ever say something to me and I go, hmm you know I'm fighting that devil right there. Firstly, I want to talk about our part. Relief from temptation involves both God and us. I'm going to move through this rather quickly, but I want to explore our part first. When I say our part, I'm implying that we can actively make decisions and take actions to get relief from temptation. Can I hear an amen? And the first thing that we need to do is avoid the temptation. I'm going to give you a surefire way to get away from the temptation uh, and it works every time and it's a deep, deep theology. Here it is, are you ready? Flee. Flee. Flee temptation, Second Timothy 2 and 22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Simply put, when the temptation comes your way, you just move out of the way. Cowardly, somebody says, I don't think so. Smart is much more like it. Hello. To just move out of the way. Flee turn your back. And I want to tell you something this morning. If God, if a godly man like Timothy needed this kind of counsel, I think it's pretty safe to say everybody in this room can benefit from it this morning. We need to avoid certain things that cause us to be tempted. I'm going to preach for just a few moments uh, where we live. Sometimes you need to avoid certain routes to work. Hello somebody. Sometimes you need to avoid certain magazine racks at stores. And actually nowadays, some of you need to avoid getting on the internet altogether. Hello. You need to avoid situations that put you at risk. If you currently have or have had a weakness to alcohol, you need to avoid going to places where everybody's drinking alcohol. Can I hear an amen? Oh I know this ain't popular, folks don't really like it when you start preaching on that but here I go, I'm gonna make it a little worse for you. If you're not married and you're dating somebody, you need to avoid being alone in a private place with the person that you're dating. Hello somebody. You cannot take fire into your bosom and not get burned. You've got a responsibility. You can't ask God to keep you from evil if you're not willing to avoid it. Hello, we're living in a church age, and I thank God for it. I love it when people come to this altar, but I'm sick up to here of seeing people come to the altar and repent or pray over sin that they're not willing to repent of. Did you hear me? They'll pray over sin, but don't ask them to repent of it. You've got a responsibility yourself, and if you want to be delivered, you can be delivered, but you've got to do your part. Paul also tells Timothy, after he says to avoid, he also says to pursue righteousness. And when he tells him that, he's telling him to obtain some things. He counseled him to pursue righteousness. I think we can help that by working to obtain some things. I'm just going to mention a couple here, but I think they'll go a long way if you're pursuing a life of holiness. The first one is habits. Did you know if you do anything for 21 days, you'll develop a habit? We did a 21 day fast in this church, and I don't say this to brag. I say this because I gave up something in that fast that 32 or 3 days later I still haven't taken back. Because I know, now, some of you looking at me like, oh no, what'd he give up? It ain't nothing like you'd think of. But I can tell you right now, there are things besides alcohol and drugs that are addictive. You go through three or four days of withdrawal of it, then you'll know what I'm talking about. It's not drugs or alcohol. And for me, it's just something minor. Lord, the way y'all looking at me, I'm going to have to tell you what it is. What's wrong with you people? It's Diet Mountain Dew. My goodness. Lord, have mercy. Y'all looking at me like I'm bound in some kind of sin or something. I still haven't taken one up after 30-some days. Why? Why? It is good. Yeah. But now I don't know that I believe that about diet pop will make you as fat as regular pop because I gave up both and I'm still fat. Hello, somebody. But after all those days, I've I've not took it back yet because I know, I know, when I drink one, it's on like Donkey Kong. I'll drink three or four a day. But you develop a habit Church, we need to develop habits that take our mind to the things of God. Will somebody say amen? Things like daily time alone with God and Bible and prayer. If you don't have daily time with God on your own, what do you have? We need daily time alone in prayer with God. Habits like only reading wholesome material, like more Bible and devotional material and not the gossip columns, a.k.a. Facebook and seeing those posts that make you so mad. I get so sick of hearing that. Did you see what they posted? I get so sick of hearing that. No, I didn't see. I don't want to see. And I don't care. Can I tell you, there's deliverance right there. Hello. If you don't know it, you all to try it. Habits that get you to doing the things of God. A great habit is to memorize scripture on a regular basis. David said, I've hidden his words in my heart that I might not sin against God. There's going to come times in your life when you don't have this at your fingertips. Or maybe you don't even have this at your fingertips. But if you've hidden the word of God in your heart and you know what it says, the devil himself can't take that from you because you've hid it in your heart. So establish some good habits. And you also ought to define some non-negotiables. What are you talking about, Pastor? Everybody ought to have some non-negotiables. I've got a few. Here's a few examples from my life. One non-negotiable for me is, I will not counsel young ladies in my office without another lady in there, preferably my wife. Won't do it. Don't ask me to. I'm not going to dinner with you either. If you're female and you're by yourself. Where's your husband? Hello. Those ought to be non-negotiables. I'm not going to message you privately on Facebook when you're married and I'm married. Hello, somebody. I'm going to put you and your husband in a group, and then I'm going to talk to you. Or I'm going to put my wife in the group, and I'm going to talk to you. Those ought to be non-negotiables. Then there's another one for me that is going to be different for all of you, but Thursday nights are my study nights. I don't schedule anything. It's my my it's me and God time. It's alone time with God, and my family can tell you. I, I And I don't say this bragging about it, but... Because they, they'll tell you, I, I actually say it because sometimes it bothers me, I can, they can be right there and I can tune them out and not know they're in this world on Thursday night. I'm just telling you. They can talk right around me and they say, Dad, you're not listening. No, I'm not listening, I'm studying. What'd you say again? I can tune them out. It's me and God time. I don't schedule things on Thursday night and I don't allow things to be scheduled for me on Thursday night. Now, Certain things can't be helped, like medical emergencies and funerals, those kinds of things you can't schedule. They take precedence, but that's the only thing that takes away. Because listen, if I didn't get along with God for at least four or five hours on Thursday night, then I'd be spewing something out to you on Sunday morning that had never been deposited in me. God's got to speak to me before I can speak what He's speaking to you. Say amen, somebody. You ought to define some non-negotiables in your life and establish some time that you dedicate to the Lord. Those things are our part. I want us to look at God's part. Uh, we're going to go very quickly because we're going to get into the altar here in just a moment. Most of us aren't going to be surprised when I tell you that one of the ways that God helps us is to give us help in temptation. The Bible promises us that. First, uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything. Boy, anxiety is a big problem today. But in every situation, by, here it is again, by what? By prayer. With Peter, the church earnestly prayed, right here, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, presents your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? He will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And I think that he guards it not only from anxiety, that's a big problem, but he also guards it from our desire to continue in sin. It'll guard your heart from your desire to continue in sin. The next passage is this, 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, when, because you will be, when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He provides a way of escape every time. I can't tell you what that will be in every circumstance. But I can tell you, I can guarantee you that if you look hard enough, he'll provide a way out if you'll just be willing to take it. And aside from that, one of the best things in my mind is that I can reflect on the fact that God will one day, thanks be to God, one day he will triumph over all evil. One day. And this gives me confidence to say no to sin you got to say no to sin. When you're trying to establish those good habits, sometimes you got to say no to good things so that you can say yes to God things. Sometimes you've got to say no to things that there's nothing wrong with them, but so that you can say yes to God things. And uh, if we'll say no to sin, then God will help us regardless of, Of what the struggle is. They'll come to the music this morning. I want to ask you. Is there anybody in the house. You don't have to raise your hand. Or answer me. That will just say though. Pastor I get tired. Of struggling. With the same thing. Over. And over. And over. Now. We're living in this prideful time period in the church where people a lot of times will stay out of the altar because, oh, if I go up there, everybody's going to know something's wrong with me. Who, Who cares? Listen, there ain't a soul in this house that ain't messed up in one way or another. Can I hear an amen? We all need God's grace. And aren't you tired of struggling with the same things over and over and over again? Why don't you just give it to God and send the devil packing? It can be done. James 4 and 7 says this, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Jabez said, keep us from evil or keep us from harm, either way. God granted his request. Why don't you just ask Him and allow Him to wrap His love and His protection all around you. If you'll stand with me all over the house today. In just a few moments we're going to open this altar and I'm going to invite those that will, anybody that will to come and spend some time in prayer. If you're not ready to meet the Lord today why don't you just give in Stop resisting the Lord and submit to Him. It'll be much easier to resist the devil when you do, I promise you that. Why don't you just stop resisting it and give in? He's here for you today. When this altar's open, if you've got something that you're struggling with, maybe you're saved and on your way to heaven, saved people struggle too. If you're tired of struggling with the same thing over and over, there's a place here you can find to pray and give it to God and let Him do what He'll do with it. I'm going to. Wrap this up and we're going to open this altar. The four parts of this prayer can be prayed in four different prayers. i preached it in four different sermons all by themselves. First of all, oh, that you would bless me. We need his blessing. Amen. Please enlarge our territory. That's our prayer. Give us souls for the kingdom. Not necessarily just for Freedom Point Church, but for the kingdom of God. Give us souls for the kingdom. Enlarge our territory. Let your hand be on us and keep us from harm just as the Lord's prayer is a model to pray, this one is too. That's why I printed it up and gave it to you on cards. We ought to pray both of those prayers, but not repetitiously, not thoughtlessly, but we ought to pray earnestly and ask God to do it. Ask Him to move in your life and to conform you to His image. Folks, we could all get closer to Him. I'm sick of seeing facades that say, oh, I got it all together. Looking good. I'm at church today. You ain't fooling nobody but yourself. We could all get closer to Him. Ask Him to conform you to His image. And then ask Him to move through you. To advance the kingdom of God. And impact as many people through you as He can. Listen, I guarantee you that the Lord loves those kinds of prayers. And if you're serious about it, He'll move. You just watch and you pray. And you trust you'll be amazed at the opportunities that He'll throw your way. Lastly, before we open the altar, I want to share this with you. Some of you might have seen it on Facebook, but if you'll just uh, give me just a moment to share. About a little over two years ago in December of 2017, I ran into this young man at Corbin Wellness Center. He came into the locker room and I was sitting in the sauna It was cold outside, it was December, and he removed his jacket and got his stuff off and ready to get in the sauna. But I noticed when he took his hat off, he was wearing a kippah under his hat, the Jewish beanie. So when he got ready and he got in the sauna, he sat down beside me and we began to talk. And that young man was so bold in sharing his faith with me. I mean, he was over the top, bold, to where I sat there and he just kept talking. Kept talking, kept talking. And I was praying, Lord, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. Open a door, open a window somewhere. God just, I mean, he talked so much. I was like, God, just give me a crack. If you'll just give me a crack, I'll slip in somewhere. And finally, he said, so what's your name and what do you do? I was like, thank you, Jesus. I've been a banker for 25 years. I didn't mention one single word about banking. I said, my name's Sean and I pastor a church. And he said, there's not a Jewish congregation in Corbin, is there? And I said, no, sir, there's not. I said, we're a church of God. And I began to explain to him what we believed. And I began to share Jesus with him. And he, he indulged me. He was very polite. And he sat there and listened to everything that I said. And when I got finished, he said, well, that's nice. But I don't believe that. My heart dropped within me. And he was so passionate about his faith about church and it's somewhere in that he shared that he lived in Williamsburg he worked in Williamsburg in Corbin but the nearest place for him to worship he and his wife went every single week was a Jewish synagogue in Lexington I said if you don't mind me asking didn't even know his name didn't even ask his name if you don't mind me asking how did you become Jewish? well a friend of mine that lives in Lexington goes to church there and called me and invited me to church and I said oh okay he said, so my wife and I went and we converted. I said, okay. I said, did you ever visit any other churches before you made that decision? He said, nope. I said, do you mind me asking why not? He said, I was never invited. My heart dropped to my stomach. I went home that morning and I shared a post on Facebook about that, about how as evangelical Christians, we're missing it, not sharing our faith. But for two years, I prayed for that young man. I said, God, our paths may never cross again, but I'm asking you, some way, somehow, use somebody, put somebody in his path, and let him experience true salvation. Those are the words that I used every time I prayed for him, and he's repetitively come before me in my time of prayer for the last two years. God, let him experience true salvation. Well, fast forward, yesterday morning, I went to a community prayer service at Parkway Ministries, one of our sister churches over here on the four lane walked into the fellowship hall part where they were serving breakfast and got me some coffee, talking to some people that I knew, and looked across the way, and there stood that young man. And I thought, is that that young man? I hadn't seen him in over two years. And he was standing over there, and so I began to look around. I thought, well, is part of the Jewish congregation somewhere heard that we're having a community prayer service, and he's here with them? Or did he get saved, and he's attending one of these churches? So we got into the prayer service, and about 15 or 20 minutes in, it's... um, after the pastors had led in prayer and everybody was just worshiping and praying, they gave the opportunity for anybody that wanted to pray over the city or over the churches or uh, over anything to come up and get the microphone and pray. And I watched this young man step out of his seat and he walked to the platform and he got the microphone and he said, I've never done this publicly before but the Lord's laid this on my heart and he began to pray. And he prayed the most beautiful prayer. And I just sat there and tears ran down my face. And as soon as he got done, he went back to his seat. And I walked up to him and I I, I leaned over and I put my arm around him. I said, do you remember me? He said, I sure do. You're that preacher that shared Jesus with me in the sauna at Corbin Wellness Center. I said, yeah, that's me. I said, what was your first name again? He told me his first name. I said, John, tell me, when and how did you get saved? He got saved over a year ago. And he's a member at Parkway sitting under Pastor Mark Heisel's ministry. He found true salvation. Did we win him at Freedom Point? No, we didn't win him at Freedom Point, but I planted a seed. I said, I planted a seed that day. The Word says that one plants the seed, another one waters, and God gives the increase. We've all got lost family. And lost people that we want to see saved, right? So even if they're here today and they don't come, please don't sit there. When they begin to sing, join those that are coming to pray over what they've been struggling with. And those who may come to pray for salvation, join them and come and bring that lost family member and lay them on this altar and believe that God will do what He promised you in His Word that He'll do. And God granted His